Hello listeners, whether you are a boy, a girl, a man, a woman, a child, a teenager or a baby, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Nix English Podcast. Now this is 153rd episode and it's the second part of Taking the Delta series. How are you? I hope you're fine. Thank you for all your positive responses to the latest episode. It's really nice to know that you're still out there, that you're still with me, especially despite my absence. Um, it's great to hear from you again. Yeah, it's absolutely great that you still seem to be interested in me recording this podcast. And I have to say that I received um, messages from people that um, I have exchanged messages with before. And so it's great that you're back and that, that you're still listening. And some of you even mentioned uh, the anecdote that I told for Luke's English podcast, Latest Competition, where he asks us to record an anecdote and then send it to him. And then um, the listeners are voting on his website, basically, for the best anecdote. So I, I noticed that some of you mentioned it and um, uh, in, in the messages that you sent me. And that's, that's great that you are aware that I am competing um, in spite of my obvious failure in the previous photo competition in which I didn't manage to get to top 10. Although I have to say that I was, uh, bit, I was among the honorable mentions, at least. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really good to know that you are out there. So thank you for all your motivating comments and messages and the likes and the thumbs up. And there were lots of, lots of them. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't thank you enough. And if you're asking me... How am I? Well, I'm okay-ish myself. Ish. I'm saying ish, which means in English something like kind of or rather. And it's very, very, very productive suffix in English. You can use it after basically any adjective. Uh, so I'm okay-ish. And that's because I'm fasting. Um, not for religious reasons. Um, not at all. I'm fasting because I read about uh, it being a very effective way of detoxicating your organism. And, uh, you know, I need a detox. I think we all do living in this, uh, living in this uh, era. And that's because they put a lot of bad things in our food. It's all, the pro it's all processed food. You know, we eat a lot of substances which we shouldn't eat. That's because the food is not organic anymore. Uh, because they want to produce a lot of food and feed, uh, feed us all. And it's impossible without um, adding some chemicals in it. And some of them are obviously harmful to our bodies. Now, I'm no expert. I'm just saying this is one of the reasons why I'm doing this. Because I do realize that I, I need uh, to cleanse my body. And yeah, it's not for any religious reasons or anything like that. It's just my decision. So basically today I'm fasting the whole day, okay? The whole day I'm eating nothing. I just, I'm just going to drink some water and that's all. So yeah, that's how I am. Not very well indeed now. And this is going to be the case every week now um, on Thursday. So bear with me if, if you feel like I'm fainting during recording this episode. That's because basically I am hungry. Yeah. So um, bear with me and um, yeah, try to understand that I might not sound perfect and I might not be at my best. And I actually thought it would be interesting to try and record this while I'm starving Okay, while I um, have the urge to eat something. So, before we dive into the main content, let me fix a few things uh, that happened 
on the latest episode of the podcast that was 152nd episode, the first part of this, Taking the Delta series. Um, I committed a few blunders there. Number one, uh, I didn't know the difference between stumble over my words and stumble across. So, if you stumble over your words, that basically means that what whatever you are saying is a bit incoherent and that um, you get to a point where um, you, you don't know what to say or you make a mistake saying something different than you were supposed to say. So, basically, you're not you're not able to string a sentence together, okay? So, that's what can happen to you when you meet a beautiful girl, for example, okay? She's so beautiful and you get anxious and you want to uh, just make a good impression, but because you're focusing so much on making good impression and because you are a man and it's difficult for you to uh, kill more birds with one stone, to multitask, well, then you might stumble over your words. It does happen to me uh, when I record this podcast. And yeah, it does happen to me when I meet beautiful girls. It's just the way it is. It is what it is. And I can't do anything about it. Unless I get a shot before talking to this girl. But I have to be careful there because if I get too many shots then it's too much and I'm drunk and the impression is not good either. So sometimes it's hard, you know, meeting new girls. Anyway, what am, what am I talking about here? I was trying to tell you um, the difference between stumble over my words and stumble across something. So if you stumble across something, it's basically like come across, you know, like en encounter uh, something that you... Um, that you find by accident or something like that. It's like bump into, okay? It's very, very, very similar. So, for example, you could say, I stumbled across Zdenek's English podcast while Googling Luke's English podcast. Okay, I think it might be the other way around, actually. <laughs> That's more likely story. Uh, so I hope uh, it's clear and that I managed to fix the, this problem because I couldn't work it out last time. Yeah, that happens to me too, sometimes on this podcast. I don't mean to say this to uh, put myself down on the podcast. I'm just saying it as a fact, and you should all be aware that as a non-native speaker, I might accidentally make mistakes here. But that's fine, because, you know, we all make mistakes, don't we? Okay, I think I'm rambling too much now. I would like to tell you the second thing, uh, I would like to fix the second thing now, and that's that I failed to remember a name of a podcaster who joined the family of the likes of Guillaume, Chris and Jose. That is um, us, the Lepsters, who started doing their own podcasts. That's right, I'm not the only one, there are more of us here. We are like, um, like a gang, you know. We're like a, a little community of people who want to come out of their comfort zones and produce something on their own, um, even though uh, their English is not perfect. And I think it's, it's brilliant. It's something that should be, should be really taken seriously, you know? Because not everybody does that. And you are putting yourself out there. You're being judged by others. You're being judged uh, on your English. And especially if you're a professional uh, speaker... I mean, I'm a teacher of English language. This could be dangerous, potentially, you know. Uh, this this could turn against me. But I like challenges. I like to be challenged. And that's why I've taken on the challenge of uh, starting this podcast. I don't know why I'm in this mood of rambling today. Honestly, I'm so sorry, guys. I will try to do my best not to go off the tangent here because it's um, it's annoying, isn't it? I, I bet I'm driving you up the wall. Am I irking you? I hope not. So, the name of the podcaster that I forgot is Let Me Remedy It Before It's Too Late. His name is Daniel. Now, 
Not Daniel from Italy that you know from this podcast. Not this one. Not the one that made that made a logo for me. By the way, hi Daniel. It's great to receive an, another email from you. No, I'm talking about another Daniel. His name is Daniel Goodson. And he has a podcast called My Fluent English. And as far as I know, he's a, he's a non-native. I think he might be from Switzerland. I guess I will have to fix another problem here in the next episode. Well, I noticed he has really nice and professional jingle in his podcast called My Fluent Podcast. Check this podcast out. I think it's it's brilliant. I think he's doing very well with this. Um, it's really interesting and it has got, I'd say it has got some format, you know, it has got uh, identity, it has got a style and I really like his jingle. Speaking of jingles, I might have to change my jingle sooner or later because I think it's a bit faddy daddy. It's a bit outdated, don't you think? The thing is, I can't really uh, create jingles and I don't know uh, about any place where I could download them for free. So if you know anything about this or if you are uh, if you are a musician or somebody who can create jingles, and you wouldn't mind a bit of publicity, maybe. Why don't you send me a jingle? Uh, why don't you make a jingle for us, the next English podcast? It would be great if you did. Going back to Daniel, I listened to his uh, latest episode, and I like the collaborative approach he's taking in his episode. He asked different people a question. What's the best way to learn English? And this episode is basically a mosaic of uh, the listener's answers. I really like it. Check this podcast out. My first impression of this is really good. It seems to be a really, really uh, good podcast. Now, let's get down to business. We're talking about the Delta here. And this part is called Taking the Delta Part 2. So let me quickly remind you what uh, the Delta is. It is a Cambridge English qualification for English teachers. So it's suitable for somebody like me, because I am an English teacher. In a way, it is an alternative to a master's degree. And just to remind you, I do have a master's degree. Basically, the Delta, it covers the linguistics, methodologies, teaching methodologies, and also some practical aspects of teaching. And it is a well-respected qualification all around the world, even Luke Thompson from Luke's English Podcast has this qualification. So in order to get the Delta Diploma, you need to pass three modules. Module one is an exam, uh, which consists of two 90-minute papers in which you analyze the language, uh, you analyze course books, you show your knowledge of literature, methodologies, and so on. Module two is a series of four LSAs. LSAs, that's right, not LSDs, as I mistakenly thought during my uh, first day of the Delta. It's called LSA. And basically, in uh, Module 2, you have to uh, teach four assessed lessons. So it's four lessons that are fully assessed when the, uh, there is an assessor who comes to your lesson and um, uh, makes notes about what went right and what went wrong. And it's very nitpicky and there are a lot of boxes to tick. You have no, no idea how many there are. I think I will tell you about it later. And also there is a professional development assignment in Module 2. So once again, it's four assessed lessons. That is four LSAs, including the essay lesson plan and the four assessed lessons. And then there is a professional development assignment, which is more of written work and it's kind of self it's like a um, developmental approach, like um, you're trying to work on yourself as a teacher. Uh, so it's like reflective, reflective uh, written work. Um, sounds easy, doesn't it? But actually, this module two is the hardest part. It involves an immense amount of work. Module three, on the other hand, is a paper on designing syllabus for a course. So it's about uh, preparing a course 
of, I don't know, about 20, 20 lessons or so. So, the Delta. Yeah, I decided to give it a go myself. This summer I took the Sophia Delta course. So basically I enrolled on a course which is built around especially Module 2, but also includes sessions to prepare you for Module 1. And it gives you some information about uh, Module 3 as well. So how did I do? Well, this is quite funny because on audioboom.com, I received a comment from Dennis from Bosnia, another uh, uh, zapper, and he actually was congratulating me on receiving the diploma. But I had to tell him that it's, it's, too, it's too hasty. Because basically, uh, I haven't got any diploma yet. And I would say I'm far from it. So, so what, what happened there was that Dennis thought, thought that I would do one of those Climax episodes that I would just tell you about everything. And then in the, in the last episode, I, it would be just me basking in, in, the, in my own glory uh, of um, basically passing the course and getting the diploma. But it's not as easy as this, okay? I, I swear to God, I don't know how I did in Module 2. And I haven't taken Module 1 and Module 3 yet. So there is still a way to go. So let's talk about the course. I basically applied in spring and it was to a familiar place. It was school IH Accent in Prague, which is an accredited center for CELTA and DELTA. And I say familiar place, that's because I took my CELTA there last year. So IH stands for International House, and this that's the only place in the Czech Republic where you can basically do it. There are more IH uh, places all around the world, okay, but it's limited. So I filled in my uh, I filled in a form, sent my application in, and my CV. I think I'm not sure, but then waited a bit. And then they invited me for an interview. So I had to prepare for it a bit. I had to hammer out two lessons, answer some questions, and then uh, came the interview itself. Uh, I always prefer interviews in person, but unfortunately we couldn't agree uh, on a date with the interviewer, and neither could we agree on the time. So... um, so we did it on Skype, basically. Not my favorite thing to do, but what the hell, I did it anyway. The interview was interesting. Um, I had a feeling I was being discouraged, actually. And le- later I learned they do this to everyone uh, because they want them to, they want um, the applicants to have the 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 right attitude. You know, they want to. They want to feel that they are committed enough to be able to pass this course. And that's because this, this course is really hard. This really demanding. So I understand why they're doing it. Nevertheless, I could feel that they were discouraging me. It was like there was this inner voice in my head like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. It's too much work, it's too much work, it's too hard, it's too much work. Don't do it, don't do it, it's too much, it's too much for you. Don't do it. I did it anyway. Of course I did. Because I hate when somebody is telling me what to do. I want to do things my way. I'm a bit stubborn. You know, I am an Aries. That's my sign in the Zodiac. So, of course, I would do the exact opposite. So, um, yeah, I was being discouraged. And my confidence was crumbling. That's right. I, I don't think I'm a particularly confident person. But I wouldn't say I am a person who lacks confidence either. I'm something between, and it changes in me, okay? Sometimes I have a lot of confidence, sometimes I don't. But when it comes to this profession of mine, English teaching, I feel reasonably confident as an English teacher. I think I'm not too bad as a teacher. I hope so anyway. But in this particular Skype interview, my confidence was crumbling, okay? Uh, The interviewer uh, was going through the lessons that I designed and she said that one of the lessons wouldn't pass uh, with the lesson plan I made. 
and that I she also said that I would find it hard to do the course and also I told them that about my wish to commute to Prague of course I, I live in Podjebrady and it's about 50 kilometers away from Prague so you have to commute if you want to uh, it's not like you can uh, walk there it's not like you can go there on foot it's impossible 50 kilometers come on it would take ages right um, so when I told them about my wish to commute um, well the interviewer was basically trying to discourage me pointing out what happened to them in the previous years that they, they had had some people who really struggled when they commuted so yeah so there was a lot of general discouragement and demotivation but I didn't give up of course um, and I remember the last question from the interviewer was do you think it's uh, doable do you think you can do it and I said yeah I guess or something like that you know um, and that's because by that time I had really lost all my confidence in me um, and I was also interviewed by a tutor, a Delta tutor who was Czech, okay? And um, her English was just amazing. And obviously, the person I am, I end up comparing myself to other learners of English. So she's a learner of English because she's a non-native and her English is so brilliant. So yeah, it was inevitable that it would get me down as well, this aspect, like it always does. Okay, so the, the interviewer gave me a long list um, of must-reads, a long list of books that could help me um, and that I should read before I take the Delta. Okay, she said, okay, she said I passed the interview, by the way, um, which I was glad, but I didn't expect anything else, to be honest with you, because I'm, I'm sure they reject some interviewees. But I don't think they reject most of them. That's because most people are realistic about their chances of passing the Delta. And I think I, at the time I thought I could do it. And other people were telling me I could do it. So, you know, uh, I wasn't surprised that I passed the interview. And also I'm paying them a lot of money. So why the hell not? Yeah, but um, um, yeah, she gave me this list of books and... To be honest with you, I didn't read many of the books from the list she gave me. It was just, I think I read about two and a half or something. That's because I'm not, not a great reader myself. I'm a bit ashamed of this. You know, I did some reading at university, but these days I've got too many distractions. And that's because the of the internet and generally technology. You know, videos, podcasts, games. I just can't make myself read these days. So I did read the Delta Handbook and also How to Pass Delta Tiny Book. And it feels like a bit bit, bit like uh, Delta for Dummies, this How to Pass Delta. <laughs> okay, so uh, let me tell you about my first day of the course, which was at the beginning of July. Uh, so as I said, I had to commute. So... I'm going to describe what I did on my first day. Uh, basically, I jumped on my bike, cycled 15 minutes to the train station. There, I had to lock my bike, obviously, because there are thieves in Podjebrady, bike thieves. And the train was always about 5 or 10 minutes delayed. That was good. So even if I came a bit late, I could always rely on the tra train delays. Uh, so then I traveled by train for about one hour. After that, I had to change to metro at main station. It's called uh, Czech uh, main station, the place where I changed for the tube. The tube, it's another 15 minutes. And then the first two weeks, there were some bus disruptions. The first two weeks, I couldn't go all the way to the IH um, International House language school because... Uh, yeah, because they were uh, mm, they doing something in the tunnel, so there were disruptions, so I had to take bus replacement service. So that, that was another 10 minutes. Now, if you add it all up, it's 15 minutes by bike, one hour by train, 
15 minutes by metro and 15 minutes by train. Well, it's almost two hours of traveling, okay? Later, it was like less because uh, I could go by the underground only. But yeah, it's two hours to get to the language school and then two hours back as well. So it's four hours of commuting in total. Maybe I'm a bit exaggerating. Maybe it is a little bit less, actually. Maybe it could be like 100 minutes or something like that, okay? Uh, Each journey. So if you double that, it's 200 hours. It's a lot anyway. Did I say hours? No, minutes. So 200 minutes. It's a lot anyway, because one thing you can't do during the Delta course is wasting your time. So I tried to make the most of my commuting by just uh, opening books and uh, using my laptop uh, during my journey, especially on the train. I did a lot of work, I have to say, and um, it wasn't as bad as the interviewer suggested it would because I actually found it nice, you know. I I used to do the same thing when I uh, studied at a university and that's because I'm one of those people who can't uh, talk himself into studying at home and who prefer, prefers studying anywhere else but at home. So I actually found it suitable for myself. Okay, so how did I feel on my first day of the Delta course? Well, I felt a mixture of feelings. I was nervous, excited. It was a mixture. Um, I was ready to do a lot of work. I kind of... I got mentally ready for it because, yeah, because I read those two and a half books. And, um, yeah, I think I was mentally ready. However, I was a bit scared too. I knew I had to get my act together. I knew it was time to get organized. And I'm not always organized. I'm a bit disorganized, actually. That's who I am. Yes. Nice to meet you. My name is Denik and I'm disorganized. Okay. So... I knew if I was to stand a chance, I was I was um, about to design a lot of lesson plans, which would have to be impeccable, and all that, you know. Normally, in the life of an English teacher, there's no time for massive preparation. I mean, you can always prepare more. You can waste your time on teaching other classes if you want to. You can uh, waste your money like that. But, you know, it's, it's not always possible. I do prepare some of my classes. I'm not saying I don't. It's just not all of them. For some of them, I prepare just in five or ten minutes, which is not enough. This is not what it should be, of course. But here at the Delta course, I knew I would have to prepare a lot in order to do everything right and to get uh, good grades when being assessed. So I knew what I was uh, getting myself into. I knew what I was in for. So we were 18 people on the Delta course. Uh, We were divided into three teaching practice groups. Basically, each of these groups had their class that they were teaching, okay? But uh, together, during the input sessions, input sessions, these are like the seminars, we were 18. Or we were supposed to be 18. We were only 17 when I came because One girl uh, didn't arrive, an American girl. Apparently, she couldn't take it. Uh, She couldn't take the stress and the pressure. And she didn't even turn up, which is strange because she paid for the course. But who knows what happened to her? I I don't judge her, so you never know. But we were 17 at the start, so one of the teaching practice groups were only five people. Now, actually, uh, I have a list of people here. It's quite interesting. Let me tell you where people were from. Because I think it's very diverse and that's always nice, isn't it? Okay, so let me tell you. So it took me longer than I expected to look for this list of names, but here it is. So it has uh, has three groups of people on it. The first one, the first group uh, contains... Uh, a guy from New Zealand, so a Kiwi, a girl from Peru, uh, an English woman, a Czech girl, a Scottish guy, and a Dutch woman. Then the second group 
had an Irish guy in it, uh, a Brazilian man, then an English woman, actually two English women, and a Czech woman. So this group uh, was only five people because uh, the American girl didn't turn up. Okay, and then the last group, it had an English guy in it, uh, a Romanian girl, and then me, of course, the Czech guy, and then an English woman, and an Irish guy, and also a Russian girl. Okay? Now, there was one person who didn't finish the course. Out of the original 18 people, only 16 finished the course. I don't want to go into it, but there were some problems. Uh, this person had some problems, basically. Okay, I will not go into it much. I don't think it's uh, appropriate. So, yeah, so these were the groups. As you can see, it's kind of balanced, m male and female, and natives, non-natives. But I think it's mostly, no, uh, it's mostly natives. The non-natives were only the three Czech people, the Romanian, uh, the Brazilian, uh, the Peruvian, the, and the Russian. I hope I didn't forget anybody. And I, and, and I did forget someone. And the Dutch. So, yeah, I think it's mostly, mostly, no, na uh, mostly native speakers. Okay. So that's the list of the names of the people on the course. So a day, a day, uh, a, a day on the Delta course would look like this. So we had two input sessions, one from 11 to half past 12. Then we would have one hour break for lunch, and the second input session would start at half past one, and it would finish at 3 p.m. 3 p.m. Then we would have some lessons after that, but there would be a break between the sessions, input sessions, and the lessons. I normally love breaks. They're great, right? Who doesn't love breaks? But for me as a commuter, this was a disaster. I really did want to go back home rather rather than stay uh, at the school longer. Um, I didn't really know what to do. And that's because be before the lessons, well, you can do some last minute adjustments. You can do some printing, like cutting up paper, preparing your material for the lessons. But I didn't really feel like it. It stressed me out. I preferred preparing everything in advance rather than doing it last minute, like most people did. Um, so each teaching practice group had two lessons with their class. So um, there were six of us in our group, of course, and only two of us would teach on the day. Okay, Some lessons were observed, some lessons were unobserved, some lessons were unassessed. Um, some of the observed lessons were assessed. Not all of them were assessed. Some of them were like um, developmental lessons. So you would get feedback, but it wouldn't be assessed. Okay. Uh, each week you would teach one and sometimes two lessons. So my first class was an advanced group. It was a tough start because I consider myself an advanced student. So I was teaching other advanced students um, so it was a tough start, but they were lovely. They were lovely. They were a really great class to work with, I have to say. Yeah. Also, uh, speaking about the program, we did have time until 11. And after the lessons, of course, for self-study. That was supposed to be your library time for researching and writing assignments. But as I said, I preferred not to stay at the school. So I would always go home once the lessons finished. So the first month of the course, I would get home at 9, if I was lucky, at 8. Uh, later, the second, month, the second month, it got better. Uh, so, yeah, but it was, it was hard because I was, at, I was at home at 8. Then I um, basically had dinner, took shower, went to bed, woke up in the morning and... Um, went back to the language school. So you couldn't do anything else, really. Um, so I did a lot of work on the train, as I said. I drafted my lesson plans. I did some reading as well. Now, let me tell you 
about uh, the input sessions we had, okay? And how I felt during these input sessions. Um, I used to be something like Hermione from Harry Potter at my university when I was studying English teaching. I, I liked, I liked uh, the lessons. I liked the seminars. I enjoyed them. And I think I, I was quite good during them. I was contributing. I wanted to show that I knew things. It gave me a lot of confidence. It boosted my ego. And I am a confidence person, you know. I can get very self-conscious and doubt myself if I do badly. I am a self-critical person, I would say, as well. And then if I don't do well, I tend to self-pity myself. You know, in this episode, I have told you a list of really bad qualities I have. I'm sure there are some good ones as well. But you see, that's that's exactly my attitude. I like to come out with my... I, I, I tend to be negative sometimes. I, You know, I talk about everything that is negative and bad. And I should change this attitude. But sometimes, you know... You are who you are, and I am Czech, and this is a Czech trait, and uh, I think I am probably an archetype of a Czech person in this regard. So I can get very self-conscious, as I said. Uh, but there were times in my life when I was the complete opposite, actually. I was full of confidence, and that was at university. I did a lot of bodybuilding, I was playing football, I had a beautiful girlfriend. You know the deal, right? When everything is going right in your life, then the, your confidence is rising. And that's what was happening to me. But, like always in life, the shit hits the fan and things go wrong. Things go pear-shaped. You know, life is about ups and downs. Uh, so, I wasn't as confident as I used to be at university. That was my first observation that I had on the first day. And I needed to be confident. There were so many native speakers around me. So many ambitious people. And we had this uh, icebreaker uh, activity, the, the very first input session. And they would ask, they would ask the candidates, uh, candidates, that's us, the people who took part in the course, the participants. So they asked us why we were taking the Delta. And then they, we would give them our reasons, our answers. And some of the candidates said something along the lines of, we want to have our language school one day. We want to become directors of studies. It felt like my own ambition was very, very down to earth, you know, very low. I just want to be a good teacher, to go abroad and be a good teacher. The point is that I was expecting to do well in some input sessions. I had knowledge from school. I... I expected some of them wouldn't, some of the other candidates. And I was right only partly. A lot of them did, actually. A lot of them knew a lot. A lot of them were really, really great. Especially the non-natives seemed to be very, very smart. But some of the natives, too. Most of the natives, I would say. To be honest, I didn't feel very well. I felt anxious, full of anxiety, very self-conscious. I felt like it wasn't me. I felt like I should dominate more. My language limited me, I think. It dragged me down. The arguments I presented uh, during the input sessions were half-baked. I was often unable to justify them. My contribution was not something I would hope for, you know. Um, again, I might be a bit self-critical, but... I did expect much more from myself, to be honest with you, in these input sessions. Only in linguistic classes I did okay. Linguistics, that's like, you know, that's like when you talk about lexicology and morphology and grammar and also phonology. In these classes I did really well. And that's because I always liked linguistics at university. So I always, always went an extra mile to study a bit extra and more, and I genuinely enjoy analyzing the language. But when it comes to teaching methodologies and other non-linguistic aspects of teaching, it's not my cup of tea so much. So maybe, maybe I was too harsh on myself. Maybe I'm being too harsh on myself here, because the truth is others also struggled. I wasn't the only one for sure. You know, I wasn't like the, the last one there. I don't think so. I wasn't the worst 
I certainly hope I wasn't. But I definitely wasn't the best. And I like to be the best. You know, I'm very competitive. I like to win. So that's why this was a bit hard for me. But I think looking back at this, it was a classic example of my personality. I need to stand out. I need to show off a bit. I hate being average. And I certainly was average there. And I couldn't get to it. I couldn't bear it. You know, all these native speakers, so educated, so smart and ambitious and confident. And then these non-natives with such high IQ and really, really smart as well. It didn't get better because we had to do a lot of work. Now, I'm describing the first day, but it kind of reflected the whole course. I felt like this during the whole course. And it didn't get better when the course progressed because we had to do a lot of work, an immense amount of work. And it was just deluge of information. And everybody's performance in sessions was basically going down. You know, the contributions we we put in were um, of less and less quality. That's because we were getting more and more tired during the course. And that's what always happens. Okay, they, they know, they expect this, the tutors. The tutors were the people who were teaching us there. So we had three tutors in total. Each tutor uh, is in charge of one teaching practice group. And I had an English woman. There was a Czech tutor as well. And the last tutor was American tutor. So we had a Czech, American and a British tutor. And I had the British one which I thought was uh, the best of them. And so I enjoyed lessons, uh, the input sessions with this tutor. And I also I was glad that she was my, um, she was in charge of my teaching practice group. Uh, where was I? So just to sum up, uh, the reasons for me not doing particularly well in these input sessions were twofold. First of all, my personality, that's because I compare myself to the others too much. I'm something you would call a confidence guy. I think most people are. Confidence is very important, you know. If you are a confidence guy, um, I'll I'll give you a comparison of uh, one football player playing for Arsenal. His name is Theo Walcott. He's a good player, but um, he's talented and skilled. But there are times when he doesn't have self-belief, you know. And that's when he's doing very badly. But that's when he fails in his matches. But when he's on the high, he's, he can do very well. So he's a confidence guy. Um, it's difficult because con- uh, failures get you down if you're a confidence guy. You get too conscious, too self-conscious, and it takes you longer to move on, to bounce back. If something goes wrong, it takes you long to bounce back. Um, and my second reason is that I may have overestimated myself. And also, I underestimated reading a bit, so there was a lot of estimation there. Overestimation of my own abilities and underestimation of the reading. I should have read a bit more. Uh, All right. Perhaps it's not as bad as I'm describing it. But as a matter of fact, this is certainly how I felt. So I do hope you enjoyed me talking about my feelings. Um, You could pinpoint there some items of vocabulary. For example, um, the word self-conscious or confidence guy. I tried to use some of the vocabulary repeatedly so that you could hear it more times. This should help you to memorize the words. But you can, you can always like stop the recording, go back. You can repeat what I say, try to, try to copy the pronunciation, the rhythm, the intonation. Yeah. So maybe before I end this, I could tell you about um, the input sessions we had because I have a list as well. So uh, I don't think so. I don't think it's that interesting. So this has been the second part of Taking the Delta series. Next time I'll tell you about my LSAs. LSA stands for Language System Assignments. And this is something that really matters uh, when you take the Delta course, the module two, you know, the input sessions, it's only about getting the knowledge into your head. It's about a lot of information. It's basically something like seminars and lectures at a university, but the real work, 
the real pain is the LSAs uh, because you get marks for it. You have to do well in order to pass the course. You can ditch some of the input sessions as well. Okay, so it's, it is possible not to go to some of the sessions. But the LSAs, you can't, you can't, you can't turn back. Uh, I will read you a bit about what I wrote, okay, from, from my um, essays, in, uh, from my LSA essays. I give you examples of my lesson plans. I'll tell you how I did and uh, what emotions there were around this, about this. And there were loads. A lot of emo emotions were involved. I, I can tell you that. So there's a bit of foreshadowing for you. Uh, so, yeah, well, thank you for listening. And because you are so great, because you are such amazing listeners and you, you managed to stay till the end, I've got, uh, I've got a present for you. I'm about to play you the anecdote entry that I sent to Luke's English Podcast competition. Obviously, you are welcome to vote for it if you like it. Um, but I'm not going to record an episode about this as I did when it came to the photo competition. I don't think I have to. Um, you have you have got your own judgment, and if you think if you think it's necessary to support me, if you want to support me, then do so by all means. Thank you very much. Uh, but you don't have to do that. Yeah, it's really up to you. So thanks again for listening to this episode. Have a lovely weekend and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Well, about 10 years ago, I think it was back in 2016, I took a friend of mine to London and the idea was that I would show him uh, the place that I, had, that I had lived in for about one and a half years. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a bit nostalgic for me. Um, I was really looking forward to seeing the, the friends that I had left behind and the places that I uh, used to see every day and the things that I used to do. So, yeah, it, had, it has a special, special element to it for me. Uh, and my friend... My friend um, really like meeting new people and practicing uh, his English and so on. So it was, a, it was a nice, nice idea, a nice holiday. On our first day, uh, we went sightseeing. Now, when I say sightseeing, we didn't really do much sightseeing as such. I mean, I showed my friend the Arsenal Stadium because obviously I am an Arsenal fan. And also, um, I took him into the Lily White at the Piccadilly Circus. Lily White is like a huge department store and so on. And, you know, um, we don't really do these things much. So, naturally, we were a bit tired. And so, we decided to go home. And um, so, we went down the underground. And um, actually, it was quite crowded down there in the train car. Um, we had to stand and my friend in particular was tired so he he was looking for a, for an empty seat he wanted to sit down however um as i said there were loads of people around and um basically there was only one empty seat however um uh, someone had someone had a sweater on that seat so it was it was kind of occupied and right next to a seat uh, a tall, a well-built black man was sitting, okay, there was this young, um, healthy-looking, strong, strong man, and my friend, being a talkative and communicative person he is, um, well, he wanted to ask this man to remove the, the piece of clothing that he had on, on that seat in order to sit down. And obviously, my my friend's English wasn't perfect, but it wasn't bad either. I mean, to be honest, I don't see my friend uh, these days much, but at the time, his English wasn't perfect. However, he he had never been afraid to to use it, which I think is great. Uh, anyway, he wanted to ask him to remove the the piece of clothing, and. 
you know, you know, when you want to ask someone, you say, please, right? That's, that's like the magic word that you should use. So what, what my friend said to cut the, to, to cut the long story short, he came up to him and said, can I please you? Now, obviously, um, this was not the, the ideal thing to say. And to be honest with you, at the time, I was already dabbling into English teaching. I didn't really know what to say, whether to laugh or... Uh, because it was, it was very awkward, you know. At one, on one hand, it was kind of funny and hilarious what my friend said. On the other hand, I thought that the, the look on the face that the, that the black man had suggested that he might, he might be up for a fight or something. Um, so it was a bit embarrassing for my friend and I had to explain to him later uh, what happened basically. But, you know, obviously you can't use uh, please as a verb. I mean, you can, but it has a totally different meaning. And, you know, I don't really want want to go into explaining this. I think I think you get it, right? Don't you? <laughs> anyway, the moral of the story is you should learn English properly and um, don't always assume that uh, the the meaning of of a of of a word is similar when you change its word class. Just just be careful. All right. Okay. Anyway, that's that's my story. Bye.